Welcome to a rainy Thursday afternoon in Pennsylvania, and welcome to Three Questions. This is the bite-sized series that I do each week where I answer three questions from our We Connect card box, but I will say, this episode might be a little bit of a bigger bite for you. You might have to get a fork and a knife out for this one, because not only do we have a really great listener feedback comment that just demands to be shared on here, because I think the message is really good, but someone finally gave us a fourth question. So it's now become three questions plus a bonus, which is something I've been really excited about uh, adding on to this. So that's great. Uh, let's jump into this though, because we shall not waste your time with the green question. And this says, what is something funny that has happened to you? This is supposed to be the lighthearted question. And it's always the one that stumps me the most. I sat there thinking like, what is something funny that's happened to me? Think, trying to think of like one moment in time. And instead, because I couldn't think of one, I thought I'd just talk about a funny situation that uh, I seem to find myself in. I'm a very analytical type person. I think about everything way too much before the fact, like when I'm making a purchase or just anything in general, after the fact, mostly related to uh, social situations like, oh man, did I say something stupid? What did that person think of me? Why did I say that? Why did I do that? You know, I'm just the type of person that's always thinking uh, analytically about pretty much everything. It's a gift and a curse, mostly a curse, but it's sometimes good to be that way because I feel like I make good decisions. But the funny thing is, the funny thing that's happened to me in my life is that most often the biggest decisions of my life are the ones that just kind of happen to me. And I'll give you a, a few examples here. The first one that came to my mind instantly was when we bought our first house. You know, you would think, you know, I'm the type of guy that before I buy a television, I'll watch 16 YouTube videos on it. I'll read every review on Amazon. I'll price check. I'll do all this stuff. I go to buy a house where, you know, we're kind of just like in the market. And I remember when we bought our first log home, the original house, the place that you saw if you were subscribed all the way back in the day on Greg's World, back when it's called 19 Ridge Road, which was the address. Uh, definitely not the smartest choice of uh, usernames. Would not recommend making your address username, but live and you learn, right? I should have been analytical of that and decided against it. But, uh, you know, you think buying a house, it'd be like the biggest, like sweatiest decision of your life. In this case, I remember it vividly someone ended up getting stuck in Cody's parents' driveway. And then this guy came to get them out and they mentioned, or they got into a conversation about how we were looking to buy a house with this guy, Cody's parents. I'm doing a terrible job telling the story. I know that. But uh, he was like, yeah, my friends have a house for sale. And I remember like the next night we went to look at it and it was for sale by owner. There was no realtor. There was nothing involved with it. And we were just, we took a look at it and we we're just like, yeah, this is great. Like we love the log home. There was a garden out back. There was a, a storage unit and stuff. And I was just like, yes, this is, this is the life that I want to live. And we just, we just made the deal. We negotiated down a little bit, had like an inspection done, got the mortgage on it and it was boom, just like that. And that was just, it just like happened to us. And it's like, it's crazy to think about that now. And sometimes I think back, like, I wonder if we had looked at like 10 other houses, would, if, would we have made that same decision? Because I can tell you now, I would never own a log home again. There's a lot of maintenance that goes along with it in terms of staining and keeping it maintained on the outside, unlike vinyl siding, which lasts forever, uh, or asphalt shingles or whatever Nan had in her house. That stuff was like from the 1950s and is still there in 2022 and probably always will be. I just, we just jumped into it. Oh, that, the other part of having a log home, carpenter bees. They literally bore into the side of your house. I've watched these carpenter bees. You have to get your house sprayed for pests all the time. If you have a log home, I feel your pain. 
and I would watch bees literally bore holes into the wood of the house. And it's like, that's going to be there forever. You know, you can putty it over or whatever, but like, holy smokes, don't buy a log home. Even if it does feel super romantic and you have all these ideas in your mind, get a traditional house. Uh, and I would have known that had I done my my typical thing where I analyze things and maybe talk to some people, read some reviews of people that own log homes, but we just like, we were young and, uh, we just jumped into it. Another situation that comes to mind was right around the same time. I guess this was just a, a trend at the time in my life. We decided that we wanted to get a dog, particularly a lab. I was thinking black lab. Cody in the paper saw that chocolate lab puppies were available. You probably know where this story's going, but we went to look at them and there was literally one dog left and it was this cute little female chocolate lab that we ultimately got and named Roxy Bear. And the, the rest is history. But it, um, it, we didn't like do a whole lot of research. We didn't look into like different breeds of dogs and which ones we wanted and what are the pros and cons. And was this person a good person to buy from? Should you just buy it from a, a random person or should you go to a breeder? No, we just jumped into it and we got a dog. We paid $300 for her and it was... It, it was a, the best investment of my entire life. I just love that dog so much. She's been a part of our entire history. In fact, like right when we got the house, these things happened within weeks of each other. We got our house and we got Roxy Bear and I started my YouTube channel like the day we bought our house. So you could say, me being very analytical, I may not be in this spot where I'm at right now because say we didn't buy that house we put it off. Maybe we didn't find the right place. Maybe it was a year later. Maybe, you know, obviously Roxy would have been gone, long gone by then. She was, she would have been not a puppy anymore. Someone would have bought her obviously. And like my whole trajectory in life could have been different, you know, like that timing and those decisions that I made on a whim turned out to be the best decisions of my life. And it's just so wild to, to think about that. And it makes me think that maybe I should be less, less analytical. Like I'm a huge believer and willing things into existence. Not like I'm going to sit here and think about a Ferrari pulling up in my driveway and then tomorrow I'm going to walk outside and someone's going to hand me the keys. I'm a believer in if I really want something, we talked about this last week, I will find a way to get it. There's no stopping me. And But I'm really going to be thinking about it ahead of time. Maybe sometimes you just need to let go of the wheel and you need to let things happen to you. I hate to say that because I feel like a lot of people live their lives that way like, you know, I'm just going to just going to skate through and oftentimes things aren't going to just happen to you. You have to do something. And in those both those cases like we took action to make these things happen. It wasn't like the guy told my mother and father-in-law about that house for sale and we're just like, "Man, if they want to sell it to us, they can they can come pick us up or take us there or send us pictures." No, we we made these things happen. But it's just crazy these decisions you make in life. And I was talking to Cody or someone about this the other day where it, the, some decisions you make in your life, even just like the smallest ones in some cases, can have just the most dramatic impact on your life. It was, oh, my friend Chris, when we went to New York last week, spoiler alert, we I'll talk about it in Missing Pieces more. We are talking about how he met Autumn, our friend from, well, from elementary school on. He met her in gym class in college. And I talked to him about the prospect of him maybe not having that gym class. He would have never met her. Their lives would have went on completely different paths. We wouldn't have been going to New York together. None of the things that have happened in their lives would have happened. And it's just crazy to think like that one thing, like just scheduling a gym class for, you know, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at 10 a.m. leads to your entire future. It's just so crazy. Like if you really think about that, you're almost going to be paralyzed by any choice that you try to make because it's like this choice 
me taking gym class at 10 o'clock where I meet my future wife and not taking it at nine o'clock where I don't meet anyone or maybe a different future wife. You just, you just never know. And it's just wild to think about. So you have to like wonder, are you even in control or is it just destiny? And I'll leave you to, to ponder that as you uh, do whatever it is that you're doing right now as you're listening to this. Hope you're having a glorious day. But we're going to uh, sneak that in there. We're going to move on to the blue card. That uh, question, though, if you'd like to answer it, you're welcome to, is what is something funny that's happened to you? I imagine most people probably have something hilarious. Like, I was walking across uh, the floor and I slipped on a banana peel and fell into a trash can. And I don't know. You probably have something like that. But my my one wasn't necessarily funny. More, more like ironic, I guess. Uh, let's go on to the blue, though. This says, what are you grateful for? This is a little bit of a deeper question. And I'm not going to answer this in a way that everyone expects me to, or that the way that you probably would, you're going to say, I'm thankful for my family. I'm thankful for people in my life. I'm going to not do that because I don't want to take the easy way out here. I want to say, and this, a lot of these are going to come back to my job, I guess. Uh, I'm thankful or grateful to be able to do something for a living that I absolutely love and am wildly passionate about. I don't know anyone in my life that is able to do that. You might say, I like my job. I like doing this. Maybe you're passionate about your job, possibly. But tell me that if your employer stopped paying you, you would continue doing it. There's probably a 0% chance of that. Unless you're a person that's like taking care of animals at like the SPCA. And if you don't show up, all these animals are going to starve to death. That might be a situation, but I guarantee you, and you can prove, you can tell me I'm wrong if you want. If your job stopped paying you, you're not going there anymore. YouTube is a thing for me that if the money stopped, I'd keep doing this because I just love it. I love making videos. I love documenting my experience. I love sharing it. And I love it when other people do it for that reason too. YouTube, unfortunately, just like all social media, I suppose, and every kid these days wants to be a, an influencer or whatever. There was a time when money wasn't involved in YouTube and the people that were on YouTube were doing it for the reasons because they love it. The money, it should be a thing that like takes your content to the next level, but now everybody wants to do it just for... You know, because I, I want to do it for a living and I don't blame you because it's, it's a great thing. Like you have a lot of flexibility in your life, but you also have a lot of stress and pressure too. the pressure to stay relevant, the pressure to keep an audience, the pressure to build an audience, all of these things weigh on me and being an analytical person, as we talked about on the green card, I think about it way more than I should. I should just do my thing and just exist in that space and, and do what makes me happy and just know that the audience is always going to be there. But I'm always thinking, what do I need to do? To keep these people happy? What do I need to do to gain more subscribers? What, like, it's, it, it, it drives me nuts. So, um, that's a struggle that I'm going to deal with, but I am grateful that like, that's probably the downside of this is that like at a job, you go to your job, you get paid, you hopefully have decent performance. You're probably not just going to lose it all. You, you hopefully hit whatever goals your employer has for you. They're happy. You're happy. Everybody wins. You know, expectations are there. And if you meet those expectations, you're going to get a, a, a steady paycheck and everything's good. My situation is one where it's like, I'm in complete control of my success or failure. The harder I work, the better off I am. Maybe, maybe not. The, the less I work, the worse off I am most likely. And you're just constantly trying to like find that 
that balance there, which has always been my struggle on, on what to do, where to focus your attention, and how to do the best that you can given your situation. And I, I think, you know, obviously I, don't, I wouldn't say that I'm at the top of my game. I think I could always do better, but that's what goals are. That's, why you, that's what keeps me driven is I'm always trying to, to get to where I, I want to be. And that's uh, it's probably one of my favorite things about doing what I do. The fact that not every day is the same. I, I just, I can't live that life. And that I can just like choose what I do is, is incredible. And that's probably what I love most about it. And I love sculpting these, these chunks of content or blocks of video into what I hope is a good video for people to watch. So that is what I'm grateful for. What are you grateful for? My family. Don't you dare. Next one. This is the purple card. This is the the deep with looking within card, the one that you are, you're reflecting on, which I kind of turn all these into that. Uh, this says, what are your hopes uh, for what the future holds for you? And for me, my hope is that I can live a long, full life. Both of my parents passed away early. My dad died at 55. My mom was 62, I think. No, 60. Math is 64. And those are not long lives. My dad passed away of cancer. My mom had heart issues. She had a stroke. She died in a nursing home. Not the, not what I hope my future holds for me. So all that I can ask, and this is kind of why I'm on my fitness path right now. I'm almost 38 years old. I want to get in extremely good shape. I want to be one of those older people that you look at and you're like, dang, that dude's like shredded. That, that dude is like, he's fit. And I feel like obviously you, you don't have a lot of control over whether cancer attacks you. Plenty of healthy people get cancer. Plenty of healthy people have strokes. But if I can move those odds in my favor, because you know, if, if it runs in your family, you're more, you're more uh, susceptible to those type of things. My only goal is that I can live a long, healthy and happy life. And it, I'm on that path right now. And if I could just keep doing, like if, if things could just keep going the way they are, I can see Clark man grow up, see him have a family, maybe get to see his son longer than my dad got to see my son, which was two months. That would be a success. So what more can you hope for than, than that? You know, like money objects, none of that means anything when you don't have your health. So health, health and wealth, right? Health is wealth. That's, that's what I hope for. I just, I just want, to be as healthy as long as possible, assuming that the world is still around to uh, as something to enjoy. That that's the kind of thing that that'll keep you up at night more than being analytical about uh, your conversations you had with someone. Gosh, where are we? What's what's happening? Where are we going? Hopefully, our generation, the younger generation, and even the kids that are that are behind me. Hopefully, they can push us to where we need to go to. The fourth turning is upon us, my friends, and um, I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful, and that's that's. The, the key word on here. So I ask you, if you dare to answer, what are your hopes for what the future holds for you? On that note, let's jump into uh, a little bit of listener feedback from last time. I don't know if how much of this I'm going to do, but I feel like I talked to Cody about this series and she's like, so you just answer those three questions and that's it. And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. It's, it's like a conversation starter thing. It's to get people thinking. She's like, doesn't it seem kind of selfish that you're just talking about yourself? And I was like, yeah, I guess it is. And then it got me like, I was analyzing this entire channel. I'm like, that's all I do in my podcast. I talk about my business. I talk about these questions. I talk about my week. But that's the, t like if I could find other people doing this, 
It's exactly the type of content that I want to subscribe for in the podcast realm because I love just to hear about people's weeks. I want to hear what you think. Like I'm in it for you. If I subscribe to your channel or your podcast, I don't give two rips about you interviewing someone or whatever, whatever it is you do on there. I'm there for you. And the more personal you can make it, the better. So if this feels wildly selfish to you, I, I'm sorry, but it's just like I'm, I'm putting out to the world what I would what I would want. So let's let's sprinkle a little bit of you in here. And this comment comes from Cass. Uh, she says, "I hope New York was amazing." Think about thinking you're seeing Hamilton. No, no, no. I'm saving it for the weekend, though. You'll have to find out what we actually watched. And I think you maybe mentioned in the previous vlog we did already see Hamilton. We saw it in London, so we didn't see Hamilton this time. We saw something else. It wasn't as good. Spoilers. It says, hope to see a future vlog about your trip. I'm a little behind. You'll you'll see it. It's coming. I did a I'm doing a special I'm doing it a special way. I'll talk about it this weekend. Come back this weekend, Cass. It says, totally agree with being willing to wait and save or working hard, even when it's getting old or wait for the right time and opportunity, depending on what you're after. We talked about instant gratification last week. Uh, so she says, I was also a kid who would save her favorite candy, but I don't know about you, but often I wouldn't ever end up eating it. I was just waiting and waiting for the right opportunity. Eventually, the chocolate would go bad or my dad would come to my room and take it and eat it while I was at school. Uh, so I think there could be something to said about also sometimes just living in the moment and enjoying the candy as long as it's not the whole bag and it's not every week or something. Life is such a balance, right? Sometimes uh, you just have to go on vacation because tomorrow is not promised to us. And oh my God, that's when I read this, I was like, that is something that I truly believe in. Like, especially with my parents, tomorrow's not guaranteed is what I say. I lost a family member to cancer a few years ago. This is like, we're literally the same person here. I lost a family member to cancer a few years ago who had just retired a year prior. She had so many plans for things she was going to do. She had saved and skipped on trips and time with family to work and be prepared for the next phase, but it never came for her. We could always save more money or work more hours or eat one more salad. Uh, so I'm trying to find a good, healthy balance in this life. I really enjoy this content. I understand you not wanting to feel like you're just talking to yourself. I'm listening, conversing with you in my head. Usually you're sometimes uh, bringing these questions to people I know in real life. Thanks for another great conversation. I love that comment. I'll, I'll comment on your last part of it there. I had a thought that, you know, I felt like you're, and this is such a stupid way to think now that I'm thinking about it. I felt like your payment for me providing like my heart to you was you leaving a comment back to me, but that's not the case. And I've been thinking about this more and more. Maybe this would be a good topic for missing pieces. Really you're, what you're paying me back with for what I'm pouring out to you is your time, your ears, your heart, you listening. That's, that's it. I, there's no way for me to, to know it or to see it. I can just have to trust that the people out there that need to listen to this or want to listen to this are, and they're appreciating it. I don't need you to comment, to tell me that. I mean, what is that really accomplishing? You know, I do appreciate it. And I read every comment. I try to reply to the comments where I can. In fact, this one, I said, wow, your comment resonates with me so much. I'm inspired to do a follow-up series to these wonderful responses. This needs to be heard. And I agree with that because I was that person in my twenties. I was the person that was putting everything off, trying to get out of debt and living for the future. Just like Dave Ramsey says, Live like no one else now so you can live and give like no one else in the future. And that message means that you don't live like the average American and live their life. You try to do something different because you know if you go down their path, you're going to end up on their path. So I live that. But now, this year particularly, we're kind of taking like, this. Is, I'm treating this like uh, a pre-retirement year. 
And we're trying to do all the things that we can do because nothing is guaranteed. My parents are evidence of that. Cass's friend is like that. You know, like you, you work all that life planning and saving and doing all the right things they tell you to do just so that one day you can finally be happy and do what you want. What if that day doesn't come? So that's something you really need to think about. Maybe you should try to live one of those days right now. Maybe not like what Cass says, maybe find some balance in there. Maybe not spend all of your money on trips and uh, shopping and whatever it is that you love, fancy dinners, but maybe have a fancy dinner once a week. Treat yourself, you know, and you just don't know. So that's what makes life, I think, probably the hardest. If you knew exactly when you were going to die, you could plan your life in a way that you would die with zero dollars in your bank account. Ideally, you would die just as that last dollar was being spent, unless you wanted to gift it to your family or whatever. But you should try to to live your life to the fullest now uh, within reason and just plan for that long future healthy life that I was that I was hoping for, but also be prepared for that not to come because there is a chance of that. Last thing, thank you, Cass, for that that wonderful comment and everyone else that commented as well. I'm just going to share a little teensy bit here and there and sprinkle it in. Uh, the last one here comes from Renessa says, uh, she said, uh, a bucket list travel spot is the Grand Canyon. I would love to see a sunset there. Oh my gosh. I want to go to Wyoming. I want to see Yellowstone. That's my dream. I agree with you about putting out positive energy to get positive back. Something I believe is if you're having a bad day, step outside and breathe, feel the sun, watch some birds, look at the sunset, etc. Pet a cat or dog. That's supposed to help too. I believe this uh, kind of helps you center and refocus. I can't think of anything special that I do differently than most people. Thanks for your time. Appreciate you commenting. Here, here's the question. This is our fourth question. Thanks to Renessa. We have, we have four questions now. What past jobs did you have and what did you learn from each? Oh boy. I'm going to go through my entire repertoire of jobs here. You guys got a little bit of time in your hands. I told you this is the bite-sized episode. Now we're getting into like three-course meal here. First job I ever had. I worked over the summer detasseling corn. Great job. I learned that summer that through activity, I could lose weight. I was a hefty kid back in the day and walking out there in the hot summer sun, detasseling corn, which is like you're pulling the little tassel off the corn stalks. I don't even know if kids do it anymore, but it was a nice thing to do when you're underage uh, and making like $4 an hour. I got a lot of activity in. I met some kids out there, which was great because I was an only child. So like being around other kids was cool. Otherwise I've been sitting at home playing video games. But speaking of that, I worked that entire summer and I used all of my money to buy a PlayStation 2 and Gran Turismo 3. I spent, that's what I spent my entire summer earnings on. And it was, it was a fantastic experience. I loved it. Most like current Greg would be like, dude, you'd be much better off just not doing that because you're making like $3 an hour after taxes or whatever. But for the experience that I got there and that, that one, that first little jump into the world of working and to meet the other kids. And they took us to Dorney park, which is like a water park and theme park, uh, for our, um, it's like a reward if you showed up every day, which I did, I showed up, uh, it was awesome. It was great. And I still, I still remember all the people that I worked with there, all the kids, God knows whatever came of them. But I learned from that, that working hard gets you something that you really want, even if you spend the whole summer doing it. And that, that memory or that lesson still is with me today. In fact, if you listen to last week's episode, you will, uh, you'll hear it. If you want something and you're willing to work for it, you will get it. Uh, my next job after that, I, uh, my buddy and I applied at buy low foods, which was a grocery store. Um, we applied the same exact time. I got a call. He didn't for some reason. And I think maybe having that, that 
farming experience on my record probably helped. And I knew some of the other kids that work there too. So they probably put a word in for me. Uh, but I got a job there as at like 16 years old, 15 years old, uh, working at the grocery store, doing things like uh, running cash register and stocking shelves and like facing things and moving things out and filling the milk and doing like everything there, sweeping the floors, you know, you name it, bringing carts in. And I learned from that job that, uh, I just, I really enjoyed working. And again, I was always on my feet moving around. So it also helped me stay fit. And, um, yeah, I got to meet a lot of great people there. I met a, a girlfriend there, you know, it's a, you know, it's a, you get, you get some, you get some benefits from, uh, from taking these jobs as a high school kid. Again, looking back, I might consider like, man, you gave up a lot of time. Like I remember working Friday nights a lot cause they gave that to the kids. Cause obviously like adults don't want to work in the evening. So you worked all the sucky shifts on Saturdays and Sundays and Friday nights and all that. But what else would I've been doing? I've been sitting at home doing nothing, playing video games. So it was, it was a win there. After that, I got a job working for a place called, oh, I should probably, I shouldn't say what it is necessarily. It was a place where, um, you took care of people with special needs and, uh, my buddy's mom worked there and, uh, she recommended, it was like these group homes, essentially. There's like three people in each home. And she recommended this one to me that was like with very high functioning older dudes. Uh, and I got hired there obviously. And I went there and it was the greatest job. I, I was in college at the time. This, this had been after a few years of working at the grocery store. I was in college at the time and, um, they totally worked with my schedule. Whenever I needed to work, I could work. And literally all we did there, it was just like a babysitting job. So the guys were up for anything. So we would, we'd watch sports on TV. I was hardcore into like college football and NFL and basketball. So we'd watch sports. I'd take them out in the community. We'd play basketball. I mean, these are like 60 year old dudes, but, um, we had fun out there doing that. They would play a little bit and uh, I took them to the movies. I take them out to eat. We did all these things. Like I gave them like a, what I think is a pretty awesome life. Like most of the people that work there were women too. So I think they kind of liked having a guy working there and, you know, I just make sure that they had dinner. I learned how to cook there. So if you want to talk about something I learned, I learned how to cook a little bit. I learned how to be compassionate and care about other people because, you know, you have three people with special needs, like you really need to like be, uh, patient. I'll say that you need to be very patient. And, uh, you know, I, I gave these guys medications that they needed, made sure they got showers and stuff. Uh, there was not like any hands-on stuff, which is wonderful. Cause that wasn't where I was going in life. Uh, I wasn't like going into the, like the health services, um, and make sure they go to bed. And when they go to bed, it's just like, I got to do whatever I want. And on occasion they'd have like a, they have always had staff there. And they had these people that worked like full-time jobs elsewhere, but they would come in and be called sleepers and they would sleep overnight and essentially get paid for it. And in some cases like that'd be difficult because you'd have people getting out of bed or having seizures or like getting medication. These guys slept through the whole night. So anytime that somebody didn't want to work that night, like on a Saturday night, for example, and I was already there, they'd be like, Hey, do you want to fill in for me? I'm like, heck yeah, I'll get paid to sleep. So I'd bring my PlayStation two in the one that I got from the, uh, the farming job. And I'd sit there and I'd, I'd play video games after the guys went to bed. I'd watch TV. I'd fall asleep and wake up with some money in my pocket. And it was glorious. I did that all throughout college and it was, it was great. But then, uh, I was like, dude, I need to like get some experience in the, the field that I'm in. Uh, so I got, I was in finance. I got a job at a bank working as a teller. And what I learned from that job is that I was miserable working as a bank teller. Uh, I would always admire the people that would come in that were self-employed and they, they would come in and do deposits and stuff and, you know, know all the people there cause they're talking about their business and stuff. And I just always kept thinking that I wanted to be on the other side of the counter. I wanted to be that business owner. I didn't want to be counting your money. I didn't feel like I was accomplishing anything. I felt like it was really like 
under, I hate to say this, but it was beneath me. And that's terrible to say, but I was like a semester away from graduating college. I was capable of so much more than counting money for people. No, no hate on people that do that for a living, but it was mind numbing for me. I, I just, it's, oh, they could have a machine do it. Like, in fact, I don't even know if banks even exist anymore. I can't tell you the last time I walked into a bank and talked to a teller. Honestly, like I, it's been years. Uh, I think most people have automatic deposits now. Back then, like people come in with paper checks and cash them or deposit them, get money out. I think these people these days people do automatic deposits or they just take a picture of their check and deposit it. They go to the ATMs. I don't think bank tellers have a future in this world. Uh, I didn't have a future in that world because after six months, I got my I graduated and I got my actual real job which was in finance, doing personal loans and mortgages and retail financing. And that's where our story picks up. And eventually, like I, I rose through the ranks of that, did really great at it, became a manager, really decided that I don't like managing people. I'm the lone wolf type dude that loves being on my own and uh, going out for my own kills and bringing it back. And the harder I hunt, the bigger the kill is. And that's, that, that's what I learned from that job. And that's what has helped me today. So all these things that I did throughout life, in my careers have, have kind of led me, I suppose, to, to this place where I'm at now, including the, the decisions that, that I made hastily may have been the best decisions of my life. And that's just kind of wild to think about. So uh, thank you, uh, Renessa, for the fourth question. I appreciate that. If you, if you're listening to this, if you want to have a, if you want to throw out a fourth question for next week, you can. If not, it is called three questions and we'll just go with those. But that was my green, blue, and purple answer for this week. I hope you enjoyed listening on this and uh, we'll see you this weekend for a lovely episode of Missing Pieces where I'll talk about my trip to New York City. Have a great rest of your day. We'll see you in the next one.